Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast for the best shows on TV, and I'm Jake. And I'm Cash. Alright, tonight we're covering episode 404 of Vikings, and it's called Yol. Oh, Viking Holiday. I think they called it their Christmas. Okay, I thought Christmas too, because yeah. I know Wessex was Christmas, and Paris was Christmas. And logically, there was snow everywhere in Norway, so we'll call yeah. it Christmas. Very strange, though, that they celebrate a holiday... Around the same exact time. Yeah. Well, I guess not too strange. I mean, they've come to realize that a lot of religions kind of keep the same themes. True. You know, but I mean, so. I don't know what God they would have been celebrating. I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe if we have a viewer, let us know. We would love to find oh. out more. Yeah. History buff wants to hit us up for that. That'd be great. But uh, all around, what'd you think about the episode? I thought it was another stellar episode. Uh, the only main problem I had with with this episode was the fight but i mean we can get into that later okay okay um i thought this episode was pretty good um you know not gonna reach the top 10 list or anything like that no but i don't feel like they really made any major errors either i'm enjoying what i'm seeing a couple things i thought got better yeah there were some risks and i think all of them hit but none of them just went out of the park for me yeah i like i said it's like we got a lot of singles. Yep. You know, no home runs on this one. Lost safety. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but like we've been doing lately, man, I think it's kind of making these podcasts really easy. Is uh, just hit the main characters. Main characters. What plot lines they hit? Yeah, absolutely. We'll go with the big guy. It was very Ragnar heavy this episode. So he is all over the map in this episode. By the way. Yes. So we start off with him in the bathtub. Again, silence. Something he does so strong throughout the show. Absolutely. He crushes this stuff. And for some reason, I thought we might have got a nude scene out of this. I was kind of waiting on something. Yeah. I don't know if it was going to pan too high over the bathtub or something just happened to her. Yeah. I was a little... Uh, I thought maybe she might get pulled into the bathtub. Yeah. Either way, find out her name. It's Edu. Okay. Was- Edu? I'm pretty sure it's Edu. Yes, Y-I-D-U. There you go. But she says Edu. Yeah. Of course, in my notes, I have it spelled E-D-U. <laughs> so, anyway. Um, we get a neat quote right here. That every day he's torn between killing himself or everyone around him. Which the second half seems very Viking-ish. But the whole first half with suicide was interesting. Yeah, I don't know if that's just like stress and depression that he's trying to cover, you know? I would say depression over his wife because that's still not a happy marriage at this point. Yeah, and I think the Athelstan stuff still weighs heavily, you know, weighs really heavy from the past episode. Absolutely. And then there's a there's another scene in this where we kind of get a you know, a glimpse at how much he's hurting for, you know, that his his void he's got. Mm-hmm. You know, in him about that's not filled with either the Viking gods or Christianity, you know. So, and then he has another interesting point when he was talking a king and a slave do the same thing or for the same reasons servants. Yeah. 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 You serve me, but we have to serve everyone else, you know. Yeah. It's kind of a thankless job type yeah. of deal, you know. Um, we get him kind of standing around as the yule log comes in yes which was i thought was a pretty cool 
little scene. You get kind of like a priest-like dude who's all painted up. Very painted. Ash. I don't know where they got the red and all the different colors. Yeah, the gray looks like ash spread yes. all over him. But you're right, the colors, no idea. And even the white that she ends up using later, you do. Right, exactly. Um, like a geisha type look that she pulls off. Yes, I mean, that was my thought, but I didn't know how long she had stayed in Japan to where she would have remembered geishas and everything. Who knows? They didn't go deep enough into that stuff for us to find necessarily out. nail down all that. But she's obviously got some culture in, in her, so. A lot. Um, they show some pretty solid shots of Floki, Floki and Helga not participating no, just like we thought, they were backed away, far from the events. Kind They're kind of, of outcast, spying, yeah. spying outcasts like that. Yeah, and um, then we get a Ragnar and Elslog scene where Ragnar goes to, well, actually, Edu comes and tells Elslog that Ivar's awake and is crying for her. Mm-hmm. So she goes to get him, but then Ragnar comes in and picks him up and is trying to get him to hang some mistletoe and to get in the spirit and enjoy himself. But uh, Aslog comes down on him for it. Very hard. Right. It's like, stop trying to make him you. He's not you. Which was very interesting that she felt that she had the power to uh, do that in this culture. Yeah, I think she's... I think she's crossed that line so many times now she's not afraid to do that anymore. Fair. And then, I don't know, I was kind of on Ragnar's side. I'm like, don't treat him any different than you would any other boy. Especially since he could potentially become king, and he needs to know that he can't be coddled throughout this entire process. Right. I'm kind of surprised. And she's so, you know, about the Viking way and stuff like that, that she would want to coddle him anyway. Make him as tough as possible. Right. And he says, you know, you treat him like a cripple, he'll feel like a cripple. Mm -hmm. You know, and that just, in a way, I kind of believe what Ragnar was saying. I just don't think she wants Ragnar to have any part of this child doesn't want him his raised his imprint anything yeah yeah and later on we get a little more of that obviously and then but strange which gears later on in the episode Alslog offers Edu to Ragnar that was because we talked about this last week how as soon as he tried to become more like his old ways cheating and she was the third woman Right. Or the third wheel. Third wheel. That she shot it down. And then she kind of started spying on him this episode and last episode. And she was all in for it. And I don't know if that's because she's trying to find a way out through adultery from Ragnar. Or I See, I don't think it works that way in their culture. I think if she's I mean, once out, she's once out. They're free women, you know? I mean, I think so. But there's got to be a reason why she's pushing, pushing Yidu on him this time. Yeah, I think she's just putting more separation between them. You know what I mean? Like, just like driving a wedge between them, basically. Okay. It's like, if you got hurt, you don't need me in your bed anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because she obviously has no interest in Ragnar at this point. No. It is strictly for power. Right. So, move on to Edu wrestling a pig uh, poorly. Yeah. You know, I'm- trying to get it back in the pen. And... Ragnar kind of confronts her and asks her how she became a slave. And it's a fascinating story, starting yeah, from is, just sailing with her family. Right. And then captured by, did she hate, um, 
The pirates. The pirates. But they were, uh, did she say they were Arab? I don't know if she actually said what kind okay. of pirates they were. I just know that they... She was sold to um, the French. Yep. And then the French sold her to them where she said, and now I'm here wherever mm-hmm. here is and, and stuff like that. So that's kind of cool. She's like in the dark, has no idea who she's even serving, where she is. So that's kind of cool. Which, I mean, I guess the main problem for me becomes the language barrier again, which just gets kind of meshed throughout this yeah. entire series. It's kind of interesting that, judging by her culture, how does she speak? How does she communicate at all Yeah, with them? How do they communicate with her at all? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm not assuming that she knew French when she was there. And so now she automatically knows Viking from the short time we've been back. Yeah, I'm doubting it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but whatever I, yeah. I like i prefer them to be able to talk yes, to each other I, I prefer that we don't have to deal with the subtitles although i wish they would give it to us every time it's a foreign language right besides english because we are in america so we get a little tense scene where it looks like he might lean in and just kiss her or something mm-hmm. instead he puts a jacket around her or a, a fur around her and says come with me i want to show you something Takes her to a cabin that we've never seen before. Only he's seen it. Right. I mean, very specific on that part. He's like, I'm the only one that knows about this place. I come here occasionally to whatever. Be right. Clear his mind. Yeah. And. Were those snakes in there the entire time? I guess. Were they part of the trip? No, they were in there. Because when they first walk in the door, there's a big-ass snake hanging right next to the doorway. I mean, that's what I thought. But he did, they both did some things with the snakes. And I was just like, mm, were you real? <laughs> yeah. I mean. Well, you know what I thought this place was at first? Hmm. I thought it was his old farmhouse where he started. You know, when the whole show started. And he was just a farmer in yeah. that little box. And since now he's kind of overtaken the old mm-hmm. king's house. That. That makes sense. And it's kind of by the river, like his old place was. You know, I think they might be just reusing this location. Yeah, it's like you something know? that an old private getaway he had, and now we're just reselling it as... It looks like they cleared away all the other little houses and yeah. fences that used to be there, well, and they're just, just using like the building. Across the water. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's just using their resources well, yeah. probably, more than anything. Okay, so this is a trippy scene. Literally. They... You know, they start having conversations. He frees her because she's a crappy slave. Terrible. Um, and she, like, is kind of overwhelmed by this. You know, wants to know if, if it's real, that she can come and go as she pleases. Which also I found hilarious how easily she gained her freedom versus and the nothing that she had to do versus Judith, everything she's had to go through to become free. Yeah, and she's already free, Mm -hmm. but she wants to be like equals is what Judith wants. This chick just wants to be able to leave if she can. Exactly. But we see in the Viking culture, though, they just do it easily. Mm -hmm. Remember Bjorn's ex-fling just freed her. Oh, you like her? No longer a slave. Yours. Enjoy yourself. Um, So they're they're kind of like just throwing it out there. Mm -hmm. Free, slave, don't matter how much we paid for you originally, just free you. No big deal. So, this brings them together. She obviously doesn't want to just leave. No. She has some feelings for Ragnar. Do you think she has feelings for Ragnar or just the feelings of actually having a almost support system? Like a and, safe place? Yeah. Kinda. Learning. 
she's learned the language, she's learning the religion, the way of the land, and I think she's kind of getting attached to that. Possibly more so, so. Than Ragnar. Possibly so, and, and definitely if you don't have any idea where your family is, mm-hmm. if they were all sold off, you know, if they're still alive, how if they had it as well as you did? Yeah, absolutely. And then she offers him a cup of some meds. I mean, uh, this is where this episode goes pretty wild. We get Ragnar ecstasy. Mm-hmm. Is it uh, ecstasy shrooms? Something, anything very hallucinogenic because. He starts swallowing the snake live. All right. But the thing is, at first, he's like, loves the touch of his fur and, you know, just everything feels so good. That's why I thought like an ecstasy type. I could see that. But then you're right. The hallucinations and stuff seem to be kind of getting out there. Well, before we jump right back into that, the facial expressions he was making as soon as he took the <laughs> yes. drug and like when he, he saw her touching herself all the way down, he's like, hmm, uh, okay. Yeah, and but they both start just like yeah, rubbing just themselves. All over, like it's fur and they're just getting their fingers just lost skin, in skin, just touch and everything like that, which from what I understand is mainly what the ecstasy is all about. Yeah. Which made me think they were going to just like climb all over each other. But instead, they go into a montage of her getting into a ceremonial type dress and geisha, She's dressed geisha up like style, a- painting her face, mm-hmm. um, preparing to do like a dance while he is up in the rafters, like riding a piece of wood, <laughs> like a horse, uh, rowing the Great yeah. River or something, and only going from one side, which I found interesting. That rowing he- in circles. Yeah. Uh, and then he swallows the snake. Live, which I thought was going to be a hallucination, but no. We don't know. That Uh, snake is in his stomach. (laughs) It's probably going to kill him. I mean, (laughs) I have no idea. Well, his son is uh, the snake eye. The the youngest Ah, son. Ah, yes. Yes, true. True. Um, And then she had this giant python or whatever the big snake was on her Yeah, I'm not going to... Some kind of constrictor of some kind. <laughs> I'm not a big snake fan. I no. don't appreciate this. But uh, but yeah, so we end up with this nutty, tripping scene. It, done fantastically. Like, uh, Yeah, I was not, I was not uh, disappointed it, at all, really. There's probably my favorite scene of the episode. Oh, yeah, they went all out there on this. I won't call it my favorite episode because there's some pretty good other stuff in here. But yeah. I, I did like this scene. I thought this was one of the chances that you're talking about that they took. And completely landed. Yeah. And I Might have been a double. It. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I'll give it the the ground rule double. Uh, and then the last thing we get from Ragnar mainly before we get to the end scene is he's leading like a procession of Vikings into the center of the, the town of Kattegat for yes. the bonfire. For the big Yule fire. And this is what I was talking about with the Athelstan regrets and stuff. Because he starts crying and he's looking to like the heavens. Okay. That was something I didn't notice yeah. when I was watching the episode. Yeah, he's got tears in his eyes running down his face, but he's looking up, you know, hmm. not really at the fire like everybody else, not really participating like everyone else. He's just looking up, you know. So I was like, you know what? That's kind of a that's a good play to Athelstan, in, I think. I'm, doing that. I'm definitely going to have to rewatch that and look for that part of it. Yeah, it was well done. Um, and the bonfire was awesome. The way they set that up where it kind of just lit the bottom 
mm-hmm. and then the the top stayed kind of whole. That and was just really the cool. slow light of him just kind of oh, non- yeah. nonchalantly going in the circle, lighting it on yeah. fire. It was really cool, kind of their version of a Christmas tree in mm-hmm. a way. You know, it was really neat. All right, that'll be it for Ragnar until we get towards the end scene. We get Bjorn. Whew. All right, we get first. We get Bjorn with a horrific looking tattoo job. Oh, and just on like his stabbing arm. at it like nothing even mattered in this <laughs> yeah. world. Was, okay, Bjorn, we, we can do a little bit better than this. How, we get a little more precision out of this. <laughs> like, I, I've seen the lines on these tattoos. They're done well. Yeah, yeah they're pretty sharp. <laughs> uh, this looks like it's going to be a, just a blob of, of ink in his skin. Looks like the old Jackass episode where Steve-O was getting yeah, the smiley in the, face. In the Hummer. In yeah, the Hummer. Terrible. <laughs> terrible idea. Um, but then he leaves the cabin. And he kind of takes his last look at it and walks yeah. out. So at this point, I wasn't sure if he was necessarily going to go home or he was just moving into a, a different phase of his wilderness survival. I think he was heading home. He I do too. Done th- what he needed to. The bear was a big, significant thing. And he was going to be able to take that home and be like, I am the man that you want, Dad. Right. So we get some cool camera angles next mm-hmm. where it looks like somebody's watching him wander through the woods which is the same feeling we had all last week right with the bear yep you know and or possibly like we thought the berserker because we didn't know right what was going on there so ends up being the berserker though this time now this guy's like a viking ninja (laughs) and can slide from tree to tree silently it was very mystical they brought a lot of that into this episode i thought it was cool but I thought it was slightly out of place. This was another one of the risks I felt because this was a chase scene almost that I've never witnessed before. Mm-hmm. And I it fell flat for me until the end. Like him, okay. uh, right. the, the, the chase itself didn't do it for me necessarily. And nothing. a matter of fact, a weird thing, and this is maybe just really was stupid. Was it the bear trap? No, okay. not the bear trap. The thing that was really silly to me, and that probably is a dumb thing to nitpick, is the Berserker, when he was in all his furs and everything like that, mm-hmm. was like a big, intimidating-looking dude. But when he's running him around through the woods, he's, he's skinny. a tall, skinny guy. He was thin. Yeah, he actually looked a little slightly decrepit, in a way. Bjorn was definitely more intimidating. Absolutely. Throughout the entire fight. This guy had excellent facial prosthetics with the mm-hmm. scarring, excellent beard. I think he looked so much more just wicked with all his clothes on. Yeah, he was just normal kind of looking. Right. He was just slightly skinny, tall dude yeah. when he was running around in the woods. <laughs> with good muscle definition. Like- and he just had a sword. Do you notice? I was like, where's your big battle axe or something? You know, I was Anything like... Anything to throw a little intimidation in there. Absolutely. I thought this guy was kind of... As badass as he looked when he was introduced, he seemed a bit more generic in the fight scene. Definitely. But like my big thing was the bear trap was he led Bjorn into it, but then he was chasing Bjorn or it was like in front of him the entire time. And In a way, I thought maybe like he had set traps before he even came after Bjorn. Bjorn. Okay. You know, and it was kind of like running him around the woods a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not staged the best. Um but I did like to see Bjorn, you know, trying to set up his own traps and <laughs> very late into the uh, chase. And right. It leads with Bjorn being a pitcher. I mean, that was a ninety mile heater, right yeah. down the middle. Absolutely. I just, 
But then like he has the berserker up against the tree. He's not really terrified or anything. And then he throws out three little fish hooks, and the berserker's face goes pale. I just and, like I I didn't understand what he was doing when he start, when you see when he picked yeah. up the fish hook and stuff like that. And I was like, what the hell is he gonna do with the fish hooks? You know, I thought he was gonna set a trap or something. But then to see he throws it out there like a I don't even know what to call it, like a net almost. Yeah. And three fish hooks catch this dude's face and neck, which he then pulls taut, wraps the tree a couple times around him. Yeah. Then, yeah, pulls his arms back. That looks so damn painful. Oh. Tied the arms together and then started yanking. Okay. I have no idea how they pulled off this prosthetic. No. Because these hooks look like they're in his face. I mean, about an inch deep. And... The string is pulled taut across his face. Mm-hmm. Whoever came up with this did an amazing job. Phenomenal. And only thing was, right after that, I, I thought it was a little anticlimactic how it ended. I don't know. I, I kind of love the ending. I like how he pulled the ring mm-hmm. and was like, who sent you? You know, who sent you? I thought he would have tortured him a little more before he just gutted him. You see, I thought that he would have just ended up giving the name because he had no ties to that clan or anything. So it really didn't make yeah, really sense. Really no that. allegiance. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't I, understand why he didn't give up. I guess that's just kind of his code, you know. Even in the face of death, you don't yeah. rat. You know, whatever. Uh, all in all, I think this was a pretty good fight scene, mainly carried by the fish hook. Yes. I mean, that was pretty wicked it's totally original ingenious I've never seen that before um not sure it would work as well as it <laughs> not, <laughs> not a chance i mean because uh, he like was in front of the guy and threw hooks at him. <laughs> the velocity it would take to reach <laughs> from head to face is out of this world throwing a, a fish hook that weighs a blizzard maybe an ounce attached <laughs> to strings uh would be very difficult, let alone to actually catch the skin. Yeah, and, that, you know, I don't care. It was, you know, it going was well for done. cool, they pulled it off cool. It saved the scene in my eyes. Absolutely. All and right, then, so, neat scene, though. He ends up showing up at Lagather and Calf's joint. So, do you think he automatically knew who sent the Berserker? He kept looking at the ring. And I feel like he had to know the ring since he spent so much time. I think he kind of does. But I think he's slow playing it. Yeah. In a he way. just doesn't want to come out and be like, hey, you're second in command. Try to have me murdered, mom. Yeah. And I think he was being smart. You know, it wouldn't have surprised me if he just walked in the tent and you saw an axe fly across and Erlander <laughs> get, you know, pinned to a log somewhere. But I think he came in and he actually, like, did just, more damage. Yeah, kind of bitch slapped this guy in a way. It's like, I'll come in, and not only will I take your wife, but she's going to want to come with me. And we're going to have a celebration as soon as I walk in. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone's going to be happy to see me, mm-hmm. and I'm going to take your wife. <laughs> so, And that's what happened. But so also, yeah. Do you think they tried to make him look like the Berserker as soon as he came in? Uh, I think they're doing a good job of making Bjorn look like a badass. Yes. They're putting the right scars on him. He's got the right weathering to him. 
He's he looks bigger. Like he's filling out every ounce of that. Fur. He does. Like I said, the furs make him look so gargantuan. Now he's a big dude yeah. already. I mean, he still looks big as soon as he comes out of the furs. Yeah. But they've done a good job with his haircut, with his skin, and all the scarring, and he looks like a guy who just got out of the wilderness and came out on top. You know. And he's proven that to be the case right about now. Absolutely. So he tells Torby to come with no problem. She's ready to go. But then Erlander's like, oh, that's fine, but I keep our son. And she's kind of like, no, I can't do that. She's freaking out about it. But then Lagatha tells her, you know, you live. You only live once. If you want to be with my son, yeah. be with my son. I'll, I'll take care of this child. I thought this was kind of strange that a mother would leave her child for any reason. Yeah. But we've seen it a couple times in the you know, in this series where a mother would leave a child. But I also found it weird that he immediately jumped towards the child instead of the wife. Like yeah. I, but he treats the wife like shit. I don't think he really has much love for her really. He does, but I mean that's a big power play for you, Bjorn to walk into what you consider your camp and steal your wife. And just yeah. let her go willingly. Like I said, I think this was a big blow and just a slap in the face to mm-hmm. Erlander. But, you know, Kalf had to just stand back. Lagatha had to stand back and just let this happen. I thought Bjorn might be there to stay for a little bit, maybe kind of do some detective work. Yeah. Um, but no, he was just like, I'm just coming for her. And it was a good thing that it was a quick trip. Absolutely. And she ended up coming, but... I think it would have really helped if he would have just kind of put that ring right there on top of the fire as he was walking out. That would have been cool. Something like, I know what you tried to do. But maybe just try not to show his hand too soon yet, you know? I hope that's the case. be honest with you, if I was in his shoes, I like to think if I was in his shoes, (laughs) I don't want to take that guy out immediately. Because if you leave, you give him time to build up some kind of strength to come at you. Not even just at you, but your mom is living there. Yeah, absolutely. And you've got to figure that he's not going to have the okay to come kill you without the calf's permission because there's no way the calf doesn't know about it. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I'll be, I'm curious. This is my favorite storyline going so on right now is with Bjorn and this ordeal he's facing with calf and Erlander. And especially since we just got our first sense of Ragnar from Sans Floki. And so we're trying to build that up to go with it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But speaking of a character who hasn't been doing well into one that is now flourishing, good old Rolo is a full on a Frenchman. Okay. I actually really enjoyed the Rolo scenes. They were hilarious. Um, So a Cardinal... That's what I'm assuming. He's yeah. in all red, so I'm going to call him a cardinal. Comes to town to annul the marriage of Gisla and Rolo. And they have the simplest way to do it, surprisingly, just the old no consummation, which yeah, you, I said it. you brought I, up. Right. Um, but then Rolo just busts out full French and tells her to reconsider. You? Did that bother you a little? It bothered me a little bit because we don't know how much time has passed. Yes. But I got to assume... It had they, to be like seven years because Rolo was <laughs> he was in no shape to be fluent in French by the end of the week. I will give him a slight bit of credit because we know that the Cardinal had to come all the way from Italy. Okay. And that's a hell of a trip in this era. 
You know, that would have taken some serious time yeah. to make okay, it Okay, I there. didn't think about it like that. So, he I'll say time. at minimum a Two, month. Yeah. You know, he had of time. A month is not very long to learn French. But still, I'll give him some credit, you know. Anyway, he busts out full French. Please reconsider. And she makes everyone <laughs> leave the room, including the Cardinal, who she kind of talks bad to. Oh, yeah. I mean, panty dropper instantly. Yeah. So she's like, just get out. I'm sure somebody will refresh you in another room in the castle. <laughs> you know? So she's pretty touched. She says, I see you've learned French. Mm-hmm. You know, he talks about how he would die For to protect French. Paris. And same thing she would do, you know? This is a really neat scene. And you start to see her softening for Rolo in this scene. Now, I mean, I would also like to say, you brought up Rolo was going to have to do something for Paris to get in her good graces, and yeah. then it would all fall into place. He learned French, wanted to communicate and prove that he was loyal because he thought he had already done that by butchering his men. And she was like, is that not just a Viking culture? Yeah, I feel like that's something y'all just do. So I would have no idea if that meant anything to you or not, if that even hurts you. And I mean, that was a great look into her character and everything. She's very smart. She's calculating, Mm -hmm. you know, but you see those edges starting to shave (laughs) off a little bit. And then, of course, we get a cool where it's flashing back and forth between Rolo, Betting, Gisla, Mm -hmm. and what was it flashing the other side of? Um, uh, just everyone preparing for the feast, no? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Was it Wessex? Was it uh, flashing from that side? Or was it just the other Paris people? I think it was just the other Paris people. Either way, Rolo finally beds Gisla. And we find out that everyone in the whole village or town is going to know if that marriage was consummated or not. Yeah. Uh, we get a cool scene. Or a simple scene where they're all at a table. The king or emperor or whatever. Rolo. Where's my daughter? The cardinal, everything. And she's like, you know, where, where's my daughter? Have you seen her? Odo's sitting there like. No know, one should ever be like this. Yeah. Uh, and then she walks in. And let me go ahead and say. <laughs> now, this may be shallow. But I was not a fan of the looks of Gisla. No. You know, through the through the season. Oh yeah, she has not looked like any sort of pretty thing. But when she walks in on this, Ooh. holy god, she is banging in this <laughs> black dress. Good grief! They chose the outfit, and everyone and, in the castle is just turning heads. Somebody on Twitter said it best: like, marriage looks good <laughs> on Gisla. Dude, she is awesome. <laughs> I mean, she quickly became the most beautiful woman on the show for me in one scene. I mean, no doubt. And then she just politely asked Rolo to join her for a second. She needs to speak to him. I'm not hungry, but she was looking pretty thirsty. Yeah. Drags him into the pantry down the hallway just a hair bit. <laughs> they, of course, tear each other's clothes off, and they proceed to obnoxiously bang each other where everyone in the castle can hear. I mean, I thought they were sitting on the microphone in the principal's office <laughs> yeah. as, as much as it was uh, being broadcasted. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, you know, Daddy's sitting at the table, like, with awkward. a smirk on his face. Everybody's kind of like, this is awkward. Yep. You know. So we're going to mention the uh, king's daughter being plowed over. Yeah. And then he just raises his goblet. Merry Christmas. You know. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that, that this, was- this was my favorite scene. I love this comic <laughs> relief. 
First off, you get smoking hot Gisla, and then we get a really funny, well done scene. And it's interesting how they do Rolo's love scenes and everything. They're not nearly as animalistic as anyone else on the show. Well, they were originally, though. It's hard. People don't necessarily remember. It was like the second or third episode, but Rolo yeah. randomly rapes a chick. And he tried to rape Lagatha in right. the first episode, I believe. Well, remember, Lagatha fights him off, mm-hmm. so he walks down the hill where Floki's little village... Was it Helga? Oh, I don't think it was Helga. But he just rapes some blonde chick under the, the tent and then climbs on the boat. It's like, thanks. You know, Rolo has been a savage yeah. in his life. So, don't feel too bad for him, <laughs> you know, that he's having to do some lovemaking instead of Ooh, ravenous... <laughs> rapage that he's been doing um but yeah man this this was a great scene like i said i actually enjoy yeah the best best paris has been definitely other than raid scenes you know well this season it was the best paris has been right agreed agreed and then since we did paris let's do wessex all right wessex was kind of simple king ale shows up and he's kind of pissed off that magnus is going to be the heir to the throne of Mercia. Yeah, there's no love lost between him and Ragnar. And uh, he's definitely still waiting for his chance to kill Ragnar. And I'm feeling a very public manner. Yeah, he's very conflicted because he's like, I made a, you know, an oath to God that I would kill Ragnar and all his family, you know. And now he's conflicted because his, his between- bastard son could possibly be at his equal you know what I mean? Another king yes. in another English you know, city. Town. I mean, it gives Ragnar a reason to come back over and potentially re-raid his city. Absolutely. And Ragnar's not even aware of Magnus. No. And when he becomes aware, and possibly becomes aware of what that could lead to, I could easily see that becoming something of a, a huge plot line. A big storyline. Right. If this king survives, because I'm feeling a little iffy. It's going to be tough. He's got a lot of, you know, obstacles in his way. Because we're not getting rid of Quintworth anytime soon, I don't think. And she's still batshit crazy. So oh, you got to like. She stole every scene. Yeah. You got to be careful with her. But I do love when you see her and, you know, Aetherwolf slides past and she just kind of glides her mm-hmm. hand across them and stuff. The little seventh grade. Oh, yeah. we're so sneaky. Oh, yeah. yeah. But not sneaky at all, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but then, then we you- get King Ale again later on seeing. Judith being a little too hunky dory with King Eckbert. Uh, it was pretty obvious what was going on. Absolutely, the two. they're too close. Even they're like talking; they're almost cheek to cheek. You know, it's like they're breathing each other's oxygen. Right, and then he walks over. A lot of people, I think, forget that Judith is the daughter of King. I Hale. completely forgot. Yeah, and he walks over and just bombards her with oh, the, like, your disgrace. You know. How disgraced do you have to be for the father to say that he would give permission to your husband to beat you? Publicly beat you. Oh, yeah. man. That was uh, that was a tough listen. I kept waiting for him to mention the ear. Like, you deserved your ear getting cut off. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's calling her, like, sick, you know, that you, you're too comfortable with the king. And, and how much disdain he had for her uh, doing the artistry in the books. Yeah, like, she just, like... Um, a disgrace to to God that she was even touched the holy text and I mean just a brutal come down. I and was she completely surprised by the resentment. 
but she has full like confidence now. So she came right back at him. I am free. You do you not know. own me. I yeah, like, okay. you have no control over me anymore. So, in a way, she he's done all he can do to her. But once he signed over her in marriage, especially like, to the king, that well to the prince. Well, that power moved to the mm-hmm. prince. You know, so pff, I I like seeing Judith kind of empowered a little bit, even though this stuff is not my favorite of what's going on. I'm excited to see where it leads because an empowered Judith could become a big betrayal to Wessex whenever Ragnar decides to come back for, we'll assume his son. I think, I think the Judith stuff is a little weaker to me, but I'm looking forward to the Quintrith stuff. I like her. She's crazy. She is. She is completely unpredictable. You know, I think she's just off a rocker, and I like that as a character. It, I think it builds for her, but I think, I don't know who would be between her or Judith who's going to help Ragnar the most, because one of them is going to. One out of either love for him and their child, or out of Judith for Athelstan. Yeah, see, why would Judith betray Eckbert at this point, you know? Like, what does she have to gain anymore with helping Ragnar? Athelstan's gone, you know? They all know he's dead at this point. Yeah, but just the... There was a more love and just passion between Ragnar and Athelstan versus Eckbert and Athelstan. And I think that she would feel closer to him through Ragnar. Yeah. I mean, it's a little loose, granted. I think... I think they're playing fast and loose with the Eckbert and Ragnar stuff. I still think Eckbert likes Ragnar. I don't think he actually wanted that farm village to be raided by his son. Oh, I I think so, 100%. I just, for some reason, I feel like the betrayal is going to come from Aethelwulf on his father. Because the plan is for Eckbert and Ael to wipe mercy off the map mm-hmm. and just divide that territory between them two. Remember? Yeah. So Quintrith is just another obstacle later on that they're going to plan on taking out, you know, and then at is going to have to come and say, now at is tied to Quintrith is not going to want that to happen anymore. And we're not sure if Eckbart knows this yet, which I don't think so. I don't think they're making that obvious, which is interesting because Eckbart knows everything about everybody. Right, but I think he's kind of blinded right now by the whole Judith stuff. So, I could see that really getting cool. Yes. All right, moving on to our basically our last character, which was Floki. Well, okay, yeah, Floki. Um, Very interesting a, scenes. Okay, I'm, I'm interested to see what you think about this. So, Floki comes to see the seer. The seer, at first, seems like he's pissed off. You don't want anybody to bother him. Mm-hmm. But then he's like, Super excited that he's been waiting a hundred years for him to come. And this was the most uh, vague I felt the seer had been. Like he said he knew him and everything and been waiting on him. But at no point did I ever really feel that he knew it was Floki. And like the verbiage he was using was a lot different than when it was been with anybody else, I thought. Well, he was was talking to Floki like Floki didn't know who who he was. Mm Mm-hmm. That Floki didn't know himself. 
Which and, is kind of what we've been saying throughout this right. entire podcast. And then when he tells him to, you know, basically he's like, let me lick your palm <laughs> to, to prove, you know, who you, you know are. Who you are. And, okay, my first theory on this was that Floki is supposed to be the future seer. Like he's going to replace oh. the seer. Like he'll be the new voice of the gods. Yeah. Um, Which makes sense from everything that we've seen from Floki throughout the show. Right. But then you see Floki get a giggle at the end of it. I think that's just kind of his personality. But in a way, they were playing it like Floki is an undercover god. Mm. I don't know. I didn't see him being anywhere near that powerful or anything. Like As soon as I saw him I don't think he knows. You know, for some reason, I think they're they're doing something with Floki. Well, he's still alive, so clearly there's a lot left to be said with Floki. Oh, yeah. But this was such a weird, like you said, vague scene about where this could lead. There's a lot of open-ended questions, but like I'm not looking too into that giggle or anything because I just feel like that's his personality. Like he has accepted and was happy with what he had seen. That's the thing is, it's like he was excited about what he saw when the seer licked his palm. He like you could tell he saw something. Yeah, he felt something. But I mean, I think just becoming the seer would give him that because he knows how powerful and respected that that character is and to he's almost untouchable yeah you know more powerful than ragnar yeah and he knows what am i trying to say he knows like where he is right now on the outside looking in that soon he'll be on the inside of everybody looking out telling them where their life's going to go right so that sense of power gave him that giddiness right and that's if we're just right about him being to see her or whatever. Or but, even being able to see the visions. And it just wasn't a weird feeling like, oh, someone just licked my hand. Yeah. But the fact that somebody licked his hand makes me think that seer thing could be the mm-hmm. possibility. But he also has another scene where Auslog brings Ivar to their house. And mm-hmm. at first they look a little scared. You know? Well, it's like, why is the queen coming to us? Uh, right. We just got out of punishment. And Floki held a lot of resentment towards her that I yeah. didn't feel like was kind of rude, mm-hmm. kind of rude to her. Like, what are you doing here? And you know, Helga's like, "Isn't it enough mm-hmm. that our queen has come to see us?" But Auslog wants Ivar to be brought up as a Viking, as a Viking taught under Floki. He wants him to teach him the way of the gods. Can't be Ragnar. Which I saw was two things. Was one. If this hadn't just happened, Floki was the logical choice just because he knows the most about the gods and he's always lecturing everybody right. about what's good, what's bad, what we need to do. But then when she said Ragnar can't do it and she's been so terrified of his love for Christianity and all of that, it was interesting to see her take even more power away from Ragnar. Like I said, driving more wedges in oh, there. You know I what mean, I mean? These are like mountain wedges that she's hammering in. See, I think he's she's going to end up trying to spread a divide in the people between Floki's people and his people. You know what I mean? But, I mean, does Floki have any people at this point? Not yet, but there are people that are behind Floki because they understand what he was doing. And remember, there was a lot of people that agreed with what he did. There were, but, I mean, that was also before the imprisonment and before the torture and the manhunt. I understand that, but I think Elslog's going to continue to keep breathing stuff into people. Okay. You know, and keep just driving home that 
Ragnar can't be trusted. He's too into the Christianity stuff. Floki, on the other hand, is completely for the gods and the Viking way and stuff. But, I mean, it's still... Not to, like, make Floki a king or anything. Okay. But just to divide the people. Take yeah. more power from Ragnar. And to move it on to her, herself. Okay. Right. No, that makes sense now. But that brings us to the final scene. Whew. Um, All right, this came out of left field because I'm surprised they're bringing in another new character at this point because there's lots of characters in the show right now. But, I mean, they kind of have to to make Kattegat still feel important and let us realize what's going on and everything that's at stake. But the fact that they're bringing this guy in well, makes me worry that raid season isn't going to happen. Isn't going to happen. That raid season is going to go away because they're going to have to fight a battle on their own home turf. Or it could just be a, you know, a kind of quick one or two episode thing. Ragnar's murdered him and now he's got another full army to go raiding with. I don't know. That's not how they introduce this guy. You know, well, they introduce I, this guy as a, you don't want to introduce anyone to be puny or anything. I agree. I agree. But you can usually tell the people that don't have staying power. And this guy, enough, this guy has, he's smart. Yeah. He's very slick. First off, he's got a good look. He's got the Great tattoos look. on his face. And his name is strange, though. Harold? Harold Fine Hair. <laughs> As in fine hair. That's uh, a bit we different. We got Bjorn Ironside. And then we got Harold <laughs> Fine Hair. <laughs> but his hair is fine. It's but I thought his name was like Fineer. Mm-hmm. But then I looked it up. IMDb. It's Fine Hair. Hmm. So... I don't understand it yet. Anyway, you see him sailing in on a boat. He's got a massive group with him. Um, you know, but only one ship. Only one ship, but you see the guys he's with. Do you think he's brutes. got a couple people back behind, or this is all he brought? Wouldn't surprise me if he had a contingent hiding somewhere, I mean, I feel just like in case. Three or four more ships. Yeah. Um, but he just strolls right on in. To the main hall. Um, I thought it was a bad look that he was in the house the same time as the first son. Like, did no one see this ship from down yonder? Or we just let him immediately walk into the king's castle? I don't know. Do they know it's a stranger until they get pretty close? I would have to think so. I mean, they would know if anyone in the town was out fishing or anything. But the thing is, is that right now they assume that there's a whole contingent of Vikings in Paris. That Rolo hasn't killed. Yeah, but I mean, you've got to figure that there was some type of flag that they would fly. So they. I would who. assume. I would assume that there is. Anyway, you're right. Yeah. The son runs in, says there's a stranger here. It's like, where is he? Right here. Right here. Walks in, brave as you be. Um, and, you know, as at first was- just wants to like, you know, at merriment, yeah. party and have a good time. He wants to meet Ragnar. And Aslog was very homey, offering him a drink, sit down, whatever you want. You're king here, essentially. Yeah. And then the kids, he offers to play some kind of game with them. I felt like it was Chinese checkers. It or was chess. like checkers, yeah, yeah, of some kind. And uh, so while they're playing, Aslog's kind of questioning them. Mm-hmm. Like, why are you really here? And he says he made a promise to a princess who rebuffed him mm-hmm. 
And he was like, well, I promise I'll be king of all Norway. Eventually gets to that. Right. And then, of course, Auslog's like, to be king of all Norway, you would have to unseat my husband. Well, first, she did a very interesting thing of looking around, seeing, you know, checking the numbers or anything, and she sees Bjorn walk in. Mm -hmm. And that's when she got brave enough to say, well, you'll have to unseat my husband, Ragnar. And then we see him just kind of mosey on in, in. which he's gone full crazy. Yeah. He comes up behind Bjorn is like, he's very floki ish. Yeah. Glad to see you're back or something like that. (laughs) You're doing well. Oh, you're doing really well. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was a nice little part. Um, yeah. Like you say, his facial expressions nail it, man. Because when he sees Torvi, mm-hmm. he's like, you know, he's got that weird look in his eye. <laughs> I mean, he had it all throughout the whole episode, but like as soon as he came in, like the full crazy, it's like, okay. Yeah, but you see when he spots somebody sitting on his throne mm-hmm. and Al Slog just kind of chit-chatting and his kids are up there too, playing with him, it's like he goes mm-hmm. blank face and is ready to mm-hmm. like do work. I mean, I was ready for him to just kind of go full spider monkey and just attack this guy with yeah. reckless abandon. Yeah, so, but he just walks up to him. And then typical Ragnar fashion, two steps ahead, has zero information, no idea what's going on, mm-hmm. and is already in command of the situation. Absolutely. I just, the things they do with him, like you say, silently, and just facial expressions. Yeah, and just letting him act. Yeah, it's perfect. This guy just came out of nowhere. I don't remember this guy at all, but all of a sudden he's one of the best damn actors on television. Yep. But uh, I really enjoyed it. You know, this closes strong with another possible big bad. Yes, and I mean they they're finishing episodes better than any other TV show right now. Yeah, I, I feel like their endings are the true strong point, and they all come out of left field. Well, yeah, they're not very expected. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just surprises. I mean, I really couldn't believe they brought in another big bad for this show. And like you said, made him very strong, a lasting character, it feels like. I mean, I'll be surprised if it goes, like I said. No, I don't think so, man. I think it's. I think they're setting up stuff in Wessex and in Paris for their own storylines that yeah. don't require Viking interference. Well, and almost kind of see, like they know that they've got a couple seasons under their belt to play with. Yeah, and then... The Vikings now have their own story mm-hmm. they're going to have to mess with. And then, you, like I said, you got Bjorn and Lagatha's situation with Kalf and Erlander. So the Norway side has got a lot going now, but so does Wessex in Paris. Which is interesting with Wessex since we have exactly zero Vikings. And so yeah. it's going to be interesting how we pull them back in. Obviously, we said Ragnar's son, but there's no sure way of knowing that's Ragnar's son. But like I said, I think they're going to play with the Quinthrith mm-hmm. Aethelwolf stuff quite a bit in Wessex. Yeah. Because they got room to play there. Um, Paris is really the one where I'm like, I don't know where to go now. Because the Gisla Rolo thing is made up. Yeah. So maybe with Gisla falling for Rolo, the wedding being consummated and everything, maybe they'll give Rolo a uh, navy to go sail to, sail to Kattegat and kind of bring the fight to them. So... It's a little bit more offensive, because otherwise we don't see Maybe. much reason. I think I think he's aware though that Paris is a very defensible city. Yeah, like I mean, there's no reason for Ragnar to want to go back. Yeah, but you know they're going to because they just 
barely breached the walls, yeah. you know. So I look forward to it, man. They they've really laid the good foundation for some good storylines in most locations. I'm excited for where we're going. Now did Absolutely. you catch the preview at all? I didn't watch the preview this time. Okay. We'll we'll leave that alone then. Yeah. Um I actually had to catch it on the history app this time, so I didn't get to see the preview. Great app. Yeah. Um but super excited for where the show's going. I hate that we're what halfway through it now. It uh, sickens me. But uh it's a quick five weeks. Yeah. Or we're heading to the fifth week next week. Heading to the fifth week. That's right. So almost at the midway point. But other than that, man, that's about the episode. So um please hit us up at Bleed TV Podcast on Twitter, Bleed TV Podcast at gmail dot com. Hit us on our Facebook page if y'all got any comments or questions or let theories. Let us know about the holiday, the Yule holiday. We'd love to know more. Absolutely. I'm too lazy to Google it. <laughs> so uh, we'll take all the help we can get. But until then, uh, this is Bleed TV, and I'm Jake. And I'm Cash. And we'll see you all next week.